Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Entertainment Rebooted. We have a jam-packed episode for you this week, so let me give you a little rundown on what's in store. So, Zion and Sava are going to give you a quick esports update on everything happening here at the University of Akron. Myself, Matt, and Logan are going to give you a rundown on the new Panic at the Disco album and our thoughts on their previous albums. But to get us started, Natalie is going to give us her thoughts on Cleveland's Playhouse Square's production of Les Mis. So let's get right into it. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, during the last week of October, I had the pleasure of seeing Les Miserables up in Cleveland, Playhouse Square. It was in it was playing out throughout the whole month of October, basically, and I saw it at like the last possible minute, literally bullied my parents into having us go i kept nudging and eventually i prevailed which we're all very glad that i did my parents enjoyed it too so a couple notes from the performance um obviously it's sad that it's no longer in cleveland at the time of this recording and at the time that you're probably going to be hearing this but jean valjean was fantastic i personally feel like he could have replaced hugh jackman in the movie and should have replaced hugh jackman in the movie which is high praise because unlike sava I actually thought Hugh Jackman did a pretty good job in the movie. Um, To know what I'm talking about, you'll probably have to see one of our um, previous episodes of Entertainment Rebooted when we talked about Les Mis for like, what was it, like 30 minutes, an hour? At least 30 minutes, for sure. And he kind of uh, tore that movie apart. Um, The notes that this version of Val John hit at the end of God on High were just so pure and beautiful and... Like, I think that the lighting also has to get some credit, too, for how some of these scenes were done, because sometimes it looked like the shadows on the lights cast him cast around him kind of looked like he was like in the center of a cross, which I mean, thematically with the time with the themes of the musical and the songs was just really cool. If that was on purpose, great job. If not, (laughs) very happy accident. Yeah, great, great coincidence there. Yeah. Um, One Day More remains one of the best, if not the best, period, tosses to intermission ever. It was just so amazing to see. I love the whole overlaying of the different parts and just how that is all put together. Um, I definitely think that that is one of the strengths of seeing it on a stage versus the movie, which if you've seen the movie, you you just cut to the different people when they're singing. Whereas in the stage, you can literally see them all taking up like the same space which i think just like sells the melding of all of them singing their parts together so much better um i will gladly follow Honoras to war because he is my <laughs> favorite character or at least one of my favorite characters if not my absolute favorite character i just love him so much um at first i was torn on cosette's performance because i thought she had too much vibrato at times but she did grow on me throughout the performance Um, So overall, she did pretty good as well. Overall, everybody did really good, which I hope so for the tickets that I got because our tickets were $55 a person and we were sitting in the last row of the balcony on the far left side, like literally the nosebleed seats where the speaker was like right behind (laughs) our heads. Those were our seats. So it better be a phenomenal performance if we are going to be charged that for those seats. And it was, so that was good. I'm, I'm glad they paid off because <laughs> it would be sad otherwise. <laughs> Definitely. I got some cool merch, um, like my shirt. You guys can't see it, but obviously it's a it's a Les Mis shirt. It has the little 
little cosette on it. It's little, a great shirt. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. It's $40, of course, but, you know, well worth it in my wow. opinion. Worth it, worth it. Yeah. I got, also got a tote bag and a little DVD for, like, I'm not 100% sure if it's, like, a performance or if it's, like, a concert. Because it's, I think it's kind of like both. It's just like Les Miserables in concert for the 25th anniversary. But it also had like a set there. So I don't know if it's like a mix of like concert and performance, like quasi, like half and half thing. Right. I like to think it'll be like Hamilton. I haven't watched it yet, but. It'll be a fun little mystery. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I hope it'd be like Hamilton because as we're going to talk about after I'm done reviewing the performance that I watched, that would be in my opinion, one of the best ways to watch it if you're not going to be able to see it live. Agreed. Um, the barricade looked fantastic. The fight sequences were fabulous. Um, spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen the show, but uh, Gavroche's death was like a gut punch, even though I knew it was coming. Um, as I mentioned in previous episode, I put on the show in my high school. I'm very familiar with it. I've seen the movie. So I knew it was coming, but... It was still chilling when it happened, and I thought that was done very, very well. And the kid was so good at playing dead that my mom, who also knew what would happen, looked far more horrified than I would expect. Not saying that, you know, you shouldn't be horrified when this little kid gets shot, but for knowing it was going to happen, she looked, like, absolutely distraught and horrified. yeah. And at that moment, I was like, I was so done. I wanted to stand up and join the revolution, too. (laughs) <laughs> which very good performance, very good thing to inspire in your audience for that moment. I think that is exactly the point. Of course, yeah. Um, I felt the same way when all of the boys started dying, too. It was like a knife in my chest, and I couldn't really breathe very well, which, again, I knew it was going to happen, so that is high praise that you were able to make people feel that, even when they were already expecting it. For sure, yeah. And as I mentioned before, like the lighting was amazing, especially in this part too. The harsh white beam, it was like a big beam that like would fall on people as they died. So like their faces would light up white and stuff like that and be like really quick and just, it was really cool and very haunting. Um, one of my favorite moments is still when Javert comes across Gavroche's body and gives him his pin, which was, you know, honoring his bravery, bravery on behalf of the people of France. Like I just, I always love that part so much. Gavroche deserves it. That is really sweet. The Thenardiers surviving while Anharas and the others didn't is still the most unjust thing in the play, which is built on injustice. So that is still a very high bar when you, you know when the entire play is like a series of injustice after injustice. Like that is the worst one. They are so annoying. I cannot stand the Thenardiers. <laughs> and they're all like, clear away the barricades and we're still there and i'm like shut up (laughs) i can't stand you (laughs) like get off of the stage you're so terrible why are you still alive (laughs) this is not fair um speaking of not fair empty chairs at empty tables crushed my soul and i teared up i adore how it was staged i literally had to like cover my mouth put my hand over my heart just because i was not expecting how beautiful and how like how they were going to do it which is also like something that was way better than the movie which was just you know marius singing it and different shots of you know marius singing it Mm -hmm. whereas in this 
all the dead students emerged from the shadows like ghosts and then just like lingered there and it was chilling and i was like wow it was so powerful while that was happening and that's one of my favorite songs too and it was just so impactful so heavy at that moment that i was like this is the best i've seen this performed ever which i mean i i didn't really see how we performed it because i was backstage so I didn't know how we performed it. And so I really just had the movie and this to go on. Right. But it's it's not a competition. I just loved how they did this so much. I flat out started sobbing at the finale where Valjean died too. Um, Fontaine and Eponine's voices were, I guess they were filtered or echoey or something. I don't know exactly how they did it, but it made them sound otherworldly and ethereal. And I was like, wow. Like, it is perfect. Like, if you can imagine just the most ethereal like otherworldly singing that you can Mm -hmm. that's what it sounded like it was amazing um so i liked the movie adaptation but now that i've seen the show outside of performing it the movie is a complete letdown as i was saying it just doesn't capture the full grandeur that i felt the barricade and the moving set did moving set had a screen with the backdrop that you know moved as i was saying and it was so immersive like even more so than you know a movie which you would think would be more immersive because Mm -hmm. you know it's like on location and it's like people are actually there but i actually thought that this was so immersive especially when valjean was carrying marius through the sewers and then when javert jumped from the bridge my mom and i were both like wondering how they were going to do that because when we were looking at it like he was like standing like on the stage and it was like the flat stage. There wasn't like an elevated portion and there were just like little railings like in front of him and behind mm-hmm. him as he was, it was just like, there's, there's nowhere to fall to. It was like, you're standing flat on the stage. Like, how are you going to do this? But he's like, he just like stayed straight. And then the backdrop moved. It's like, it was like a, screen a projector screen or something I see, yeah and then it was like gave the illusion of him falling with that i was like we were like oh it was it was just really really cool it did actually look like he was falling that which, is really cool yeah especially since you could hold it longer because obviously you know you're not going to have somebody actually fall from any significant height of course clearly sadly um, we don't put actors through that generally <laughs> yeah sadly indeed <laughs> But so like that was just so such a good way of putting it, such a good way of performing it. Um, Another example of the set being better was, as I was saying earlier, one day more. It felt more of an immersive experience. All the sets were beautiful. And um, personally, I'd rather have the movie be this performance, the one that I watched Mm -hmm. over any of the performances, which, again, I liked from the movie. But I just felt that this was so good and it should be shot this performance like Hamilton. And I should be able to watch that as a movie with just the cuts of the different angles while the people were on stage and with the set and everything. I think that that would just be so, so good, so immersive. And it would it would capture like the grandeur and it's like I don't even know how to describe it, but there was like a more not necessarily magical, but legendary, mythical kind of quality to it where it's like it somehow becomes something more than it actually is. 
it like transcends reality and real life to become something more yeah i'm i'm with you there's it's incredibly difficult for any kind of movie to capture the energy that a live performance will have it's it's insane to even try i think sometimes so i think they definitely maybe should have took taken the hamilton route there because i think live performances they always demand more creativity out of you and sometimes movies just take the basic route you know oh we'll fly out to wherever they're not going to go for the most creative solution to the problem but having the restraints around a live performance they have to be more creative they have to think of good ways to make it seem like a character is following you even if they're not and a lot of times these creative ways are more captivating than just having it shot somewhere whatever definitely agree thank you so much for that analysis natalie I think it's about time we toss it over to Sava and Zion for the esports update. Let's get into some esports, uh, Zion. Let's start off with, you know what? Let's start off with the number one esports team, dare I say, in the nation right now. It's Akron. Of course it's Akron. It's, it's always Akron. It's always Akron. You know, where where should we start? Where do you want to start today? You know, th there is so much that was just going on. I mean, we could talk about our Valorant team, honestly. I mean, we could start with the Valorant team. Why not? The Valorant team took on Eastern Michigan. And unlike, you know, our Akron Zips football team, they could not be Eastern Michigan. But you know what? The Valorant team could be Eastern Michigan. And dare I say, I didn't get to watch the whole match. The highlights? Ooh. East Rubs, my man, you were pretty good, I gotta say. He was very, very, very exquisite, as I will put it, 10 out of 10 with the cherry on top. I mean, to be completely honest, I feel like our Valorant team is really strong this year. I don't know why, but I feel like they, they've had some stuff brewing. Now is their time to change. Their, their time to shine, my they, they've definitely been hitting the lab. They've been hitting the gym, so to speak, you know. The finger uh, muscles. The, fi the finger muscles, the muscle memory, the flicks. And you know what, just like the team morale and just like, the kind of goofiness that kind of goes on in between the rounds, especially when East Rubs uh, against Kent State, I believe it was Kent State, he nailed uh, the enemy. They did a jump, they did a jumping peak, and he just nailed the headshot. It was like, you do not jump peak against him. Like, why? The thing that I always notice about, like, with our teams is that they have so good communication. Like, they're not even communication, it's just like the teamwork that they do as they're playing along with it. I couldn't personally do it, could never do it. Me and my friends when were playing Overwatch, could never. I mean, when I'm Mercy and my friend is Reaper, 10 out of 10. But like <laughs> their teamwork right then and there, it's phenomenal. I, I strive to get like that. It's definitely something to look to. I am curious though, like, I mean, we never exactly hear the comms going on, but I would always, I would love to be like the fly on the wall just to hear what the comms are kind of like, what the camaraderie is going on there. But regardless, it must be the teamwork, it must be the comms or whatever it is because your Akron Zips Valorant team took on Eastern Michigan and beat them 2-0. And they are now 11-0 in the ESC conference. Our Valorant team is perfect. It's striving. Mm. 10 out of 10. Like I said, exquisite. They got that extra credit. They deserve it. They got the extra credit. They did their homework. They did everything They right. did that homework, most definitely. Exactly. And then to even go along furthermore with that, of course, with our Rocket League team, our Ooh. gold team specifically, okay, they came in second place, and who cares about first place because second place is where it's at. You know we it. We still remain number one in the team, and well, for the East Open stuff with 601 points, so period. We love that for us. Mm -hmm. To be completely honest, as I was talking with Buzz the other day, um, he was just telling me how that like the teams work so well together, and I'm highly highly thankful for that because who just doesn't love good teamwork i mean it's hard to not say 
that you love good teamwork. I mean, it's like if you don't have good teamwork, you're not going to do well at all. Like you could carry the team, you could backpack, you could be like, I'm 16 and one in this match. What are you guys doing? Get in my backpack. It's like you can't do that exactly in some of these games, especially in a game like Rocket League where it is mainly three on three in mm -hmm. most of the games that we do see, especially for our Akron Esports team. You know, but I mean, but I will say I was, I believe it was a week or two ago. I don't remember the matchup. Buzz had a, a long shot pass just perfectly spotted. I was like, there's no way that he was able to do that. Like, the skill alone he had, mm -hmm. yes, he pulled that off. Of course. But the teamwork to execute that pass and take advantage of it with his teammates, 10 out of 10. Like, as you would say, cherry on top. Like, <laughs> just peak teamwork. I am very happy that, you know, the Rocket League team is doing well. Just seems everyone's doing well. Everyone's doing pretty well so far. I've always wondered, I've always asked Buzz, hey, can you teach me how to play Rocket League? <laughs> and then I want to get into Rocket League, but I know deep down I would fail at it. So that's why I don't. Mm -mm. That's not for me. See, not I, for me. I tried. So I can play like casually. I can kind of do, like I can at least get my car up into the air and try to do something, but it just fails miserably. I usually just whiff the ball and I'm like, eh, I'll just bounce it off the wall and go from there. But I would like to say that the Rocket League team, they made, they were in the playoff run. Mm -hmm. And they were in the quarterfinals, uh, or they started off in the quarterfinals match against Northern Illinois, mm -hmm. which is another team that our football team lost to. You know, obviously, apples to oranges here. You know, esports is not the same as football. But I would like to say, you know, the team. At least we're beating universities that we played against. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Regardless, though, uh, the Rocket League team took down Northern Illinois uh, four one and moved on to the semifinals which uh, I believe at the, this time, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, not super, super current, but are going to take place in Columbus coming up soon. Correct. It is coming up this this weekend. This actually. weekend. Yep, this weekend um, in Columbus. I don't know the date. I, well, I don't know the time frame for it, but I know it's this weekend. I'm excited for it. Definitely excited for it. Hopefully, I, I do hope the matches are streamed. Oh, uh, yeah, they're always our stream. They are? Yes. Oh, always our stream. Well, I know what I'm doing Saturday night because Saturday night, the semifinals. It's our Zips Esports against NKU Esports, which mm -hmm. I've never heard of. I haven't heard of them. They either. must be pretty cracked. Uh, and then on the other side, we have WMU Esports. Mm -hmm. And then our friends, the Kent State Electric Chickens, or excuse me, Kent State Esports, you know, is facing against WMU Esports. Listen, I, I'm legally obligated to say it. Uh, <laughs> Jake Murren has kind of beaten it into me. Like, it's the Kent State Electric Chickens. Repeat after me. Kent State Electric Chickens. Kent State just, Electric Chickens. See, now you... I'm saying... I said chippins, but chickens. There I mean, we go. Hey, cl hey close enough. It, it, close it, enough. It, it rolls off the tongue. It, to anyone who may be a Kent State fan, look, we love you. We it, love you. You know, like, birds don't have teeth, and just Zippy is just way better. I'm just saying. Facts. I have friends at Kent State. I love you. But Zip's forever. For Zip, life. Zip's forever. But regardless, that is going to be going on this Saturday, the 12th, at the time of this recording. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Do you think... We're going to make it to the finals. Could it be an Akron Zips versus Kent State finals in that? I kind of want to see that. You know, I'm always here for the rivalry between University of Akron and Kent State. Do I think we would win? Yes, of course we would win. I mean, Kent State isn't a state. Let's get this straight. Exactly. But then also, too, I know we were just talking about Valorant, kind of switching back to Valorant for mm -hmm. us. Talking about North Illinois, not just saying anything, but our Valorant team also did beat North Illinois. Mm -hmm. Northern Illinois. You're right. You're right. That is very true. They did beat Northern Illinois. What was the yeah. final score? I did not 
get to watch that match. But I heard we won. Yep, it was 2-0. 2-0? 2-0. Man, talk about a beatdown. Just saying. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and watch the highlights. If it's that 2-0. And we're rocking 12-0 right now. Now we're 12 Oh yeah. man. So, oh. Jeez. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Said some. Um. Uh, what else? I mean, what other Akron teams have been popping off recently? I mean, can we think of any other teams? Has there been? Oh, wait. I know. The Overwatch 2 team yes. popped off. Uh, over this past weekend, uh, they went to a top-level game. It was the excuse me. The tournament was hosted by Top Level Gaming, and they won. And they went undefeated, did not lose a single map. And I saw some of the highlights, especially for the finals. Oh man, I thought I was good, like at as a support player. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. I I ain't got nothing compared to them. Like they got I- the smoke. I put myself up top of all the above supports. I I will stick highly to that, but to them, no. To the, no. Exactly to the to the um, like to the pub stomping like in like you know your normal like quick play matches. Mm-hmm. Most likely, like I, I can at least be like above average to decent compared mm-hmm. to them. Put me against them. Mm, no thank you. Nah. No thank you. Especially since like I mainly play on controller. I don't oh. know what you mainly oh, play I on. Oh, I play on controller too. You play controller. I mean, but like my fingers like have now gotten to where my uh, index finger and my middle finger are on on the RB and the RT, are so you, I can just oh, switch in between that. Yo, you play claw? <laughs> yes. Oh man. <laughs> I play claw when I'm mercy. That's the only way. But regardless, uh, congrats to the Overwatch Two team for winning in the top level gaming tournament uh, over this past weekend. It was a uh, you know. I wish I could say it was amazing to see, but, you know, I'm looking forward to what you guys do next. And then, of course, moving on to our Overwatch League. Of course, for the Overwatch League 2022, the champions is Dallas Fuel. Which, dude, the matchup, San Francisco, excuse me, San Francisco Shock versus Dallas Fuel. Going into it, I was kind of worried that it would be a clean sweep in like 4-1 my prediction was uh, no not 4-1 i was predicting 4-2 mm-hmm. in rule of the shock and i used to be a dallas fan uh-huh. but that was like inaugural like start like old school start of overwatch league yep when xqc was the main tank for the fuel okay and seagull was on the team so without getting too far into it i think that xqc is definitely the like in like just apples to apples and just Winston player versus Winston player compared to the fuel mm. XQC in my opinion wins out. Yeah. That might be my bias because I am a fan of XQC, but regardless phenomenal gameplay across the board from both teams. It was insane. Had me on the edge of my seat the whole entire match. I mean, of course watching the highlights and stuff like that. I enjoyed it. I mean, sometimes it was getting a little bit crazy and hectic, but I loved every single moment of it. Just thinking of like all the stats that they show, like how much damage and healing that they did, I could never get up to that. Oh no, <laughs> that, per, that amount per round per map. Oh yeah. no, never, never. Especially like, I decided like let's kind of go like I kind of wanted to go set by set, like map by map. Let's see like what you know my thoughts were through mm-hmm. the maps as I was watching. I was like, this is getting way too exciting. This is getting way too close. It's intense. I mean, set one, we started on Lijiang Towers, you mm-hmm. know, control map. You know, just get control of the point, capture it, hold on to it till you win. Yep. And it started off just hot, like, just... I feel like, like once you even start, like, the matches, it always, it's always going to be a big it's, finish. 
it's the, it's the start of the match. It's when the it's when the point is like locked and you can't capture it. It's the first like thirty seconds. It's that first engagement. It's like where it's moment. like it's crucial. It's like if you get first control of the point and you wipe the team and you capture it, you are almost guaranteed complete victory. Not all the time. There mm-hmm. are many many occasions, especially in this matchup, where someone got control of the point and then just lost it. But especially on Legion Towers, the first map point. That kind of happened as, you know, shock, or excuse me, <clears throat> Dallas did not give up control mm-hmm. at all not that entire time. Like, there was some contesting, but just no control went to San Francisco whatsoever. They stayed, well, they stayed that round, basically. And I don't, my teamwork with that, could never. But the fact that they were able to just, like, to stay on point was amazing. I mean, hey, they the didn't. The setup they had. There was no C9s being pulled, I'll say that much. <laughs> None. But... Map two was kind of a complete shock. Ah, you see the pun? No, I'm kidding. Bad puns. <laughs> Bad puns. I'm sorry. But the second round was, you know, surprising out of the gate. You know, San Francisco San Francisco had complete control until the end. You know, Dallas kind of forced the overtime, you know. But, you know, I said we didn't we didn't see a C9, but we kind of did see a C9. Because just a tad bit. It, you know, just a tad bit because, you know, Dallas – you know, was contesting that point. Mm-hmm. They were had they had them at ninety nine percent. They're like, come on, we need to get the we need to get the point. We need to get the point, and just nobody stepped on the point. And yeah. San Francisco got the point for that map, making it one one. I which, feel like that's always the toughest parts is where it's at ninety nine and it's trying to contest it, but like no one's wanting to get on point because there's no one around. It's not necessarily. I don't think it was like nobody wanted to get on the point. I think it was like the longer that they were contesting, the more narrow minded you get. You're which, right. The way I kind of equate it is it's like it's almost like you're dribbling a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. The faster you're trying to dribble, the more narrow your vision gets, more focused on the soccer ball. You don't have view of everything else around you, you're right, yep. which I kind of think happened there. It was like they were like, just keep contesting. And at some point, there was a break and just nobody was like, nobody was like, oh, nobody's on the point. Like no one was thinking of that exact Nobody moment. thought of it for yeah. like a briefest of moments and just lost it. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. It takes that one moment. But regardless, the final map of... Lijiang Towers was a nail biter. You know, mm-hmm. they went back and forth, but then, you know, the fuel, as always, they turn up the heat and they took it over, you know, winning the first map. And I was like, okay. Like I said, if I was in that situation, kick me off the team. Kick me off the team. I would eat water. I'm like, give me water. Agua, you, please. In, in every 30 seconds or so, you're just, you got the whole towel. It's like the sweating meme. You have the towel. You're just yeah. constantly just patting your <laughs> just head. Patting just patting your head. But map two uh, went to King's Row, which is a hybrid kind of map. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, just in case, a hybrid map, or, excuse me, let me explain that real fast. Control maps are usually, you only have one point. It's like King of the Hill. Hold control of the point until you hit, you know, full completion of 100%. Overtime means if they if somebody from the enemy team is on that point, it just extends the time until you hit 100%. A hybrid map is basically meaning there's a control point at the start of the map. You get control of the point, and once you do, a payload or a cart of sorts comes out, and you need to push it as far as you can Yep. so that when the other team, it's their turn to attack, they either need to reach all the way to the end if you did or just surpass the distance that you put out. Correct. Which, you know... King's Row is, like, one of easily the most iconic hybrid maps that we have in Overwatch. Very iconic since the start of over, just a regular Overwatch. Especially, one. like, beta. Like, yes. it's been around for, for a very a long time. All right, well, for the second matchup, it was on King's Row, which, like I said, with hybrid map. San Francisco was leading the charge first. They were the first to attack. They got the point first, you know, and then they pushed the payload mm-hmm. past their defenses, past Dallas's defenses, until they hit about 109 meters or so. Now, Dallas, obviously, they just needed to get past 109 meters. Easy enough, yeah? Yes. You would think. 
You know, they started off strong, almost mm-hmm. took the point a little slower than San Francisco, but they got it done just as Correct. good. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, they fell short uh, due to, I got to say, Sojourn and her ultimate ability. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about but that. But we have to. Yes. It's cracked. It is insane. On top of Sojourn just being insane on her own, uh, San Francisco is proper. Oh, man. I'm just going to say, every single time they nailed a shot on someone on the Dallas Fuel team, my jaw went further and further down until it hit the floor, and then it went f- through the floorboards. Because so, just the alt by itself, it, it pierces you right through. You're it done. Pier- it pierces through. It Does it pierce through shields? I don't think it pierces through shields. I don't think shields. it does. No. That's how, that shows how much I have played this character because everyone immediately insta-locks her whenever I'm playing. I'm like, I need to play this character. And then also, too, is like once you see her, it's railgun. You're done. It's, <laughs> Go back to spawn. As soon as you peek the corner, you're like, I'm going to get to the point. Dead. Yes. I'm going to get to the point. Dead. And it's, it's just, just by, by that point, you're like, okay, try to play around her. She has her ultimate. And as soon as she sees you, it could just be a body shot and just a follow-up yep. from a teammate, and you're done. Yep. But... You know, due to proper, like I said, and their use of Sojourn's ultimate, you know, they tied the series 1-1. They took the King's Row map win, uh, which then sent us the Dorado, which was an escort map, strictly payload. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I really love, throughout this entire, like, matchup between the Fuel and the Shock, I loved the use of Lucio and Kiriko together. Yes. Kir- yes. Going love. into Overwatch 2's release, which I know we'll probably talk on more in a little bit here, mm-hmm. uh, I never would have imagined another like quote unquote dive comp meta again using those two heroes yeah obviously like if you're using lucio i would imagine you use something like maybe moira or zen maybe just go full on just tank well maybe maybe not zen probably baptiste to yeah. be honest but regardless just the combination of those two it is it's insane what these teams pull off because it's like you see it in quick play maybe like a lucio and the kiriko combo and it's like it kind of works yeah put that in the overwatch league and multiply it times 100 with a bunch of Mountain Dew just flowing through your veins. And the teamwork works phenomenally. And the, the teamwork is just there. It's just, it's nutty. Even when me and my friend, I play Kiriko and he plays Lucio, our connection isn't like that. But now what I'm saying when I'm playing Mercy and we're, he's Lucio, teamwork phenomenal. Like, our team is healed, stays so, healed. So it's like, you know, you have an idea of like that teamwork and it's just like, yes. what? You but, can do this? What? But with Kiriko and Lucio, no. I don't for me and my friend it doesn't work like that but them it worked phenomenally it's like there's I have to just, take notes that's just something that goes to show in overwatch like in general it's just like you can take any combo almost any combination it's like if you have enough teamwork if you have that synergy you can make almost anything work in this yes. game it's insane but like i said dorado escort point or escort map you know i would like to say you know history you know didn't repeat itself uh but it, it seemed to very quickly you know san francisco showed up got their payload they pushed it as far as they could past the second point 85 meters or so and then it was dallas's turn to attack and i was like all right you know dallas can probably you know turn this round they Mm -hmm. took you know they you know they took the first round yes but they didn't get king's row maybe they'll turn it around it'll just be a constant back and forth no they fell short uh they went to 65.7 meters uh san francisco just snuffed out the flames this uh that puts uh san francisco in the lead two to one and, dude, I gotta ask. Going into the next map, I can't say this. Asparans, Asparans. I have no idea how to say this map. Ever. I would venture it too. Dude, I hear the announcer say it all the time, and I'm just like, I, I'm like, I need a repeat button when every time the announcer says, I'm like, can you say that again? Yes, please. Say that again. Like, hold on. 
Huh? Just, I, I never know how to pro properly say it. So I'm just going to say Esparza. The push map. I'm just going to call it the push map. There we go. We'll just say it. yes. We'll call it the push map. I got to ask, though, before I explain what push is, well, let me explain what push is real fast. Like, push is just basically a game mode. Uh, you start with a robot in the middle, mm -hmm. and then it's like a game of tug and war. Only yes. instead of you want the robot to come to your side, you're trying to just push it to the enemy's side. Correct. Whoever gets it the furthest at the end of the timer wins. And with all that said, I got to ask, what are your thoughts on push? I like it. You it's like a, it? It's a little bit different. Um, I think it was like a new like a good addition to it, just a tad bit. It gave some difference and variety of the matches instead of it having being like the just like the two things the hybrid and then just the king of the hill one basically control, so I, yeah yeah the control for you but i kind of like i like the push i mean it i had fun with it with um during the beta and especially when the game came out mm -hmm. uh it was kind of interesting it was kind of fun i did kind of like at least for me in the matchups i played lucio was heavily abused yes uh or not well not necessarily abused but but used used a lot just purely for the speed boost yes because there's no other character who gives a speed boost like that i mean may maybe but we'll get into yeah, that we'll get, that, we'll get into that in a minute here but i mean push is an interesting mode uh i'm kind of a fan of it i just need to play more of it see more team comps happen but this was the fourth set in the grand finals san francisco was the first to take initiative you know during the first few minutes of the game you know, they had a huge distance. They got really far. It was enough to cover the win, you know, we thought. And, you know, Dallas Fuel, their star DPS player, uh, Sparkle, which is a weird way to spell it, SP9RK1E. I mean, hey, creativity. They're definitely Create, Creativity is through the roof here. Uh, big brain. Big brain plays. And star DPS player for a reason, because they found an opening and completely destroyed... Uh, San Francisco with a perfectly placed Reaper Death Blossom, which just chef's kiss. Anytime, like, Reaper is one of those heroes where he hasn't been changed too, too much. No. Like, his weapons have stayed the same, his ammo stayed the same, his kit has stayed the same. Yes. Um, just a tad bad, because at the very beginning he had the orbs, but they got rid of that true. and just made it to where he could just heal every single time he fires. Yeah, he heals anytime he deals damage. Yeah. Um, but it's like almost relatively unchanged and just landing a death blossom is not as easy as it used to be when the game first came out because mm -hmm. it's like not a lot of people were aware like game sense wise reaper could just teleport high ground behind you somewhere just get behind you close to you and just use the ultimate and just spin around in a circle and just blast away yep but now it's just like a lot people a lot more people have experience and are aware of reaper and his death blossom so seeing that Death Blossom go off from Sparkle from the Dallas Fuel, I was I was pumped. I was like, yes, let's go. Um, enough of my hypeness, you know, there. But uh, Sparkle opened up the uh, opportunity they needed, giving Dallas Fuel enough time and enough energy to penetrate through the defenses, uh, covering the distance that was needed. San Francisco Shock went 69 Point nine four. Yes, I'm being technical. Point nine four meters, and then Dallas went as far as eighty two point five five meters. It reset the game. It's a best. It was first to four, so you know seven matches possible. Mm -hmm. Series is now tied two two. Like insane. 
and I'm kind of going to kind of rush through these a little bit. Okay. A little bit faster. You're we went, good. We went through Route 66, or excuse me, Route 66. Not the Route. The Route 66. I got to say, it just... <clears throat> route 66, fantastic map. I Not much map. changed. Nothing since. changed. Uh, but the shock was the first to set the bar uh, for the fuel as 57.89 meters was reached. The fuels went on the attack and were quite literally on fire for more than two minutes to spare before crossing that 57 meter mark. Uh, Edison was the one that got the pickoff on his sojourn, uh, proper giving the man advantage, crossing the bar. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to game seven. It was Correct. pretty hype. Um, uh, everybody was ec ecstatic. Everyone was ecstatic, it was, especially me. Because even though, like, honestly, by this rate, I was like, yeah, I want Dallas to win. But I also wanted to see San Francisco pull an upset in a sense. Oh, yes. But I want to see kind of like the underdog here. I don't know if they were really the underdogs. Okay, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. Eh, yeah. Eh. To me, they. I think they won, if I remember correctly, they won the inaugural season of Overwatch League. I think. I believe they did. I'm pretty sure they did. But regardless, we go into Game 7. Uh, and this is the first ever Game 7 that happened in Overwatch League, which is shocking. But a similar scene... Uh, having them won 2019 and 2020 with a dominant win. You know, everyone was like, are they going to be successful for their third grand finals, or is Dallas going to finally win their first ever Overwatch League, Overwatch, Overwatch League? Overwatch League title? Like, the speech is just not happening, because that's how excited I am. I'm just reliving how excited I was. Uh, San Francisco was struggling with this mode, and it showed during the final map. Dallas had the huge advantage. Immediately, the fuel would find holes in the, their defenses. Uh, San Francisco tried to struggle uh, a bit towards the final push. Distance covered by the fuel was a bit close to the chase. Wait a minute. Yes, the distance was closed, and the fuels were a bit too big to chase. The score ended 116.89 meters to 58.05, thus making Dallas the grand final winners. And it was... Quite a sight to behold. A lot of, lot of GGs. You know, a lot of good times. Most definitely. Most definitely. I know the crowd was pumped. I was pumped. But Dallas Fuel was the Overwatch League Grand Finals champions for 2022. Uh, yeah. I mean, great matchups all around. I enjoyed it very Amazing much. Amazing Grand Finals. Was there any, um, was there any matchups before the Grand Finals that you thought were really, really well, or that you enjoyed a lot more than Grand Finals, or? Nothing else. Nothing really else. I don't really... Mm, yeah, nothing really else. I feel like the grand... I, this is going to sound very stereotypical, but, Go like, always the last match is the best match because everyone... Like, the anticipation is super high. Like, everyone, best for last. Like Yeah, like, the adrenaline is pumping. Like, you know that everybody is on the edge of their seat, so that's why I always like the, fat, the last matches. It's, I, I do kind of agree with that. Uh, I did kind of think that going into, like when it was, like, the winners round four that was played on the third, it was Dallas versus Houston, mm -hmm. which, truth be told, I kind of fell off the Overwatch bandwagon after, like, the first two years the game was out initially. And, again, me being a former Dallas Fuel fan, I didn't exactly like Houston Outlaws. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, you know, no, no hate, like, specifically. I was just like, I just liked the Fuel more at the time. So seeing Dallas, you know, beat Houston... Uh, was kind of refreshing for me but yeah like you said like 
everything was just blown out of the water. Like, come grand finals, I guess mm-hmm. it's just like, it's grand finals. It goes to game seven. Like, it's very tiring, but it's say? very, it's the anticipation of it is amazing. I loved it. Exactly. I'm looking forward to the next season. Um, hopefully, you know, rosters relatively stay the same. Hopefully, some teams that didn't go that deep into the bracket you know get a little bit better and we'll see some more competition next year and we see some more shine out of it i'm excited for next year exactly let's end this what is the most and least played character that you have right now the roughly of course the most playable character that i have right now is going to be mercy and then the least played character it'll probably have to be winston Mm -hmm. i could see it my most played character Obviously, I haven't put as much time into it, but mm. since the release and the amount of t- like the time I put into the game, my most played character is probably gonna be, Lu- uh, not Lucio. I almost said Lucio Kiriko. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And my least played, shockingly, as much as like, it fun he is to play now in his tank form, Bastion. I haven't been playing that much Bastion. Oh yeah. That might be because like you know, I was hesitant because his tank form. Like I liked his turret form and yeah. his healing like from the first game but i definitely need to give him a shot oh yeah like, i think you need to for sure, for sure as annoying as he is uh, apparently to you, you know? yeah <laughs> we don't talk about bastion all right well that's gonna be it for the esports update guys for this next segment i have two entertainment friends with me today matt and logan how's it going isabel oh it is going so well how are you matt i am so ready for a good time tonight Ooh, how about you logan um you know we got a lot of we got a couple things to talk about, and I'm excited for every single segment. It's great to hear. So let's get right into it. Today we are going to be talking about the band Panic at the Disco. As you might know, they recently released a new album titled Viva Las Vengeance. So we decided we're going to go through and pick our top three favorite albums by them. Talk a little bit about Viva Las Vengeance. And then talk about a couple songs by them that we don't like. Before we get into any of that, though, I gotta love and shout out Matt for wearing a Panic at the Disco shirt to this recording. Really repping the band. Really repping the session. Well, like, it's the theme of this. I mean, like, I wear brown stuff on Sports Power Talk. It's like, it, it, it's, you fit the nature of what you're trying to present. Or dress like Scooby-Doo. Okay, that was Halloween. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it, it, it builds ethos in a way because we're not technically professionals, but at least... Well, I mean, I'm, this is an audio show, so maybe that doesn't build any ethos at all. <laughs> but Just in the promotion. Yeah, in the promotion and the people listening. Was, you know, we pay attention. We know somewhat. You know, we, we keep up with what we're talking about, or at least try to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. You're so, very welcome. Matt, since you wore the shirt, do you want to start? you want to tell us your top three Panic! at the Disco we're albums? We're just going top three? Top three We're just albums. going top three. We'll get into our in-depth analysis of Panic! at the Disco in the podcast. All righty. Well, let's go number one. Uh, this one might not be I, – I don't know your guys' rankings at all, so I know this one's kind of like hit or miss. My favorite one personally is Death of a Bachelor. Matt, Matt, you're my new favorite person. My new favorite person. I'm going to stop your list right there and say I have the same exact number one. Okay, I, Isabel, you had it's, a bit of a reaction it's there. It's so sad to be surrounded by people with such poor taste. Oh, oh okay. Oh. All right, what's your number two? Maybe, now I don't want it. No, no <laughs> number, number two is pretty odd. Good choice, it's good okay. choice. It's a pretty odd choice in my opinion, but. You tried really hard for that pun, man. You tried really hard for that. Uh, but uh, anyway, number three. This would have been number one, but you specifically said we couldn't include bonus tracks, and it's Vices and Virtues. Vices mm. and Virtues is a good one. 
I I don't want to feel like I'm copying you now, Matt, but Isabel, can I give my top three? Of, of course you can. Okay. See, Death of a Bachelor, number one. Okay. I think it's I think it's kind of self-explanatory. <gasps> you're reacting really heavily. I would love to hear your analysis of this because I understand where you're coming from. I just... Okay. I just I, and we'll get into this when we talk about our songs, but Death of the Bachelor for me, almost a perfect album. Next one, Pray for the Wicked. Number no, two. get out, get out right now, get out. No. I I won't. I will stand by that choice. You know, it's a solid album. No, it has it, solid songs. Your opinions are false right now. I I I, I like. You you went from wanting to kill both of us to now we're on the same team again. <laughs> I'm glad to have you back, Matt. I'm glad to have you back. But, Matt, you may like this one. My number three is, as well, Vices and Virtues. I, I just I can't argue with your facts. I mean, if – I will say, if we included the bonus tracks, it would have been number two. It would have been number two. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. We're, we're going to get into the bonus let's, tracks in right, the podcast for sure. Madam Hostess, let's hear oh, your... Ooh, let's, I, let's like hear, okay. I like that. Thank you. Let's hear um, your three favorites. So let me go ahead and tell you guys the right choice here. Oh. Please enlighten us. I think I, I think I know what this is going to be, but... Number one, no skip album, perfect album, couldn't beat it, a fever you can't sweat out. Oh. Okay. No. Number one. Number one. All right, now I, th- I think I know where she's going with this because I think this is a common motif amongst Panic fans. Or... It's common because it's good. You know, you know right. what? No, 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 no not, not your number one ranking, but I think where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. I think I know where you're going I, with this. I think – I don't want to – I'm not throwing any judgment at you. You better not But be. I think you're basing this entire album off of one song. No. No. D- have you no. listened to a fever you can't sweat out? Thank yes. you, Yes, and compared Matt, to... I adore you. Compared, Thank you. Compared to the other albums, it lacks. It lacks. What? You're just wrong. Okay. You're just wrong. Mr. Pray for the Wicked, you're just incorrect. Just I'm not. Go listen to your high-pitched okay. horns somewhere else right now. Listen, <laughs> listen. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Pray for the Wicked has one of my least favorite songs in it. I'm not saying All it's a perfect album. I'm not saying, <laughs> not saying it's a perfect album, but I enjoy it. Right. I enjoy it. All right. Good for you. My number two. Number two, pretty odd. I was right. Okay, I, I can odd? guarantee you what number three is right now. Pretty odd. Good. Good. Can, great can, album. Can we take some guesses? One skip on that can, album. Can we take okay. some guesses at number what your number three is? Number three, let's hear what your guesses are. I'm going to say you're going to go Vices, and you're just going to go in chronological order. See, I was thinking it was too weird to live. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say one of you is right. Matt, d- Vices and Versus. Oh, I can't even be mad because it's also my number three. Yeah, you can't be I mad. I can't, you be, can't mad. be mad about any of it because I'm right. I don't know about that one. <laughs> She's right. more correct than, than you. I, we have the <laughs> same two. We have two of the same picks. Yours is Pray for the Wicked at number two. Uh, yes. I, don't, I, I will stand by that. I oh. do not care. Fight, fight, fight. There's no fighting on this podcast. Like, we're sharing a microphone right now. So, like, those of you who are listening, we're literally yelling right at each other's <laughs> ears. We are separated by no more than about a <laughs> foot, foot maximum. It's got to be less. <laughs> All right. I think that brings us to our favorite and least favorite songs. We're just going to name a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we want to start? I want to start. Okay. I want to explain Death of a Bachelor first. Because we talked about this when we talked about Maroon 5. Uh, I'm a huge fan a song is better by its music video. I love a good music video. Oh and and hold on. Hold your thought, Matthew. <laughs> my favorite Panic at the Disco music video is The Emperor's New Clothes. I 
love it. I love it. Plus, the song's just a banger. It's a banger. <laughs> it's so when we did when we were, when I was doing research for this, I went through every Panic song, every album, every song, mm-hmm. and this one is the only one that ended up on my on repeat on Spotify. That's how much I listened to it and re-listened to it. Interesting. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just taken aback by that. You judge song quality on a music video. No, but the music video adds. Dude, based on that logic, you should have Viva Las Vengeance at number one because that thing had like five music videos. Yeah, but they were all kind of garbage. Not gonna lie. Fair enough, but like <laughs> at the same time, what? So Emperor's New Clothes was your favorite song. It was. It is my favorite. It is my favorite music video, and my favorite song. Number right. one. You know, I I don't hate that song. And number two. Okay. I write sins, not tragedies. It's I. It's what got everyone into Panic at the Disco. You're Tell me I'm wrong. Basic. It's what it's what got everybody you into Panic at the Disco. Tell me I'm wrong. Basic. You go to coffee shops and order mochas. I don't go to coffee shops. <laughs> I drink water. <laughs> That's how basic I am. I drink water, Matthew. The most basic liquid. And then, number three, y'all can hate all you want. But it's, hey, look, my eye made it. I'm so sorry. I'm, that song's bad. I'm leaving. I'm that leaving right so now. Bad. I'm leaving right now. That it song's is. not good. It is just a a good feeling, you know, bright. It's like it's like having yellow sunshine in your stomach. It feels when you like to that it song. feels like kindergarten. It makes I, me feel like I need to I throw that. up some See, sunshine. So Emperor's New Clothes makes me feel like an angsty teenager. And hey, look, my made it makes me feel like a little kindergartner. And if you can't like it, no problem. I will enjoy it myself. Matthew, what's your list? What's your top three? If you're so high and mighty. As I just booted him out of the way with my <laughs> swivel chair, uh, let me get something. This is again, this is my personal opinion, but I think it's going to be a little more well received than his. Uh, in no particular order, this is gospel, the piano version. Respect number four, number this four. This is gospel. I good couldn't. Song. So here's the thing: I couldn't remember if that was a bonus track or if it was an actual on the album. It's track one. But I thought it's that was, track one of Too Weird but, to Live. But is that the piano version? The piano version, no. That's a YouTube exclusive. See, that's the thing. I didn't know if it counted. Okay. okay. That's fair. That's All fair. Right. Uh, and then Death of a Bachelor from mm. Death of a Bachelor. Mm. Okay. I think it's a very good homage to Sinatra. Okay. Yeah. I see. Ooh. You're really just hating. Like... I, I didn't like that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Nine in the Afternoon. Good song. Okay. And then I have good two, job, two shout-outs because these ones technically I wasn't supposed to include. But I have New Perspective, the song they did for the uh, Jennifer's Body soundtrack, and Kaleidoscope Eyes. What I think is their best song, but they never released it. So i hesitant to throw that in there. Totally fair. You know why... I completely agree with you on Death of a Bachelor. I, I don't want you because to Because you have me. bad taste? No. Because the only reason I didn't put it in my top three, because Death of a Bachelor, it's the name of my favorite Panic album. Why wouldn't it be one of my favorite songs? Is because I think other people have sung it better. You know how many covers there are of Death of a Bachelor? I oh, didn't. No, I really don't watch covers of Death of a Bachelor, no. Yeah. They're... If Glee didn't cover it, I didn't know there's a cover of it. <laughs> If Glee didn't listen here, Miss, I only watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Hey, whoa! Look, I whoa, forgot whoa, I joined whoa. entertainment until Chris told me I did. <laughs> so I mean, just be glad I remember to show up tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I can't hate you for your list. I do think mine's a little bit better though, and I'm really, really excited to see what Isabelle's is. I'm really excited. 
Please, please educate us. I'm sorry. We as <laughs> we as men deserve less on this in this department. <laughs> we deserve less. Matt, I, are you trying to kiss up to me because you are doing so well? No, because what he said was just an abomination. The pretty much music. Hey, look, ma, I made it. Hey, I lo- can't believe. Hey, look, ma, I made it. Needs some respect on its name. No. No. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Dude, the music video is about a puppet. Yeah, it's like it reminds me. You remember? I can't even okay. get into the actions of the puppet because I was lectured on things I couldn't say on this. So, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the Muppet movie when Jason Siegel sang with a pup with a Muppet? But amazing. But Jason Siegel didn't name the puppet his middle name and then made the puppet Bebo a problematic side character. He was listen, a Muppet. Listen, Kermit listen, the Frog listen, was there. Listen, listen, listen. I don't care. I don't care. Isabel, what's your top three? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna be really honest with you guys. I had a incredibly difficult time picking a top three so i'm gonna try and narrow it down okay in no particular order build god then we'll talk Mm. yes Mm. yes but it's better if you do oh my yes yes matt you get me all right can i please be enlightened because i feel like i'm missing out on this whole interaction they're just good have better taste Thank you. And then I I wasn't sure. I, w- I love a lot of songs from Pretty Odd, but I guess the piano knows something I don't know. Mm. See, I like that one, but my favorite on Pretty Odd is Northern Downpour. Northern Downpour is good. Not in my top five. Not you know, in my top ten. You know not I in my top 20. I think one of the, the best panics at is when they're playing piano. Am I wrong in saying that? They have great piano. It's it's their piano parts are so amazing. Have you heard? Okay, have you heard "Dying in L.A."? That's their piano song on your second favorite album. It's awful. Matt, Matt, Dying we're gonna tussle LA. here in in a quick minute. It is a bad. We're gonna song. have a whole tussle. <laughs> your logic's not making sense. I'm just I'm diffusing your own. <laughs> I, these are I your do own think, talking points. I do think the piano is really good when Panic does it, but I don't think the songs that you picked out. Okay. Match with that. Speaking of bad songs, shall we get into our bottom songs, our least favorites? Sure. I think we may agree on some of them. I'm sure we will, because the bad ones are really bad. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, should I start? Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and start with the entire Vivo Lost Vengeance album. Yes. Um, I, I, named, I picked out some ones that I thought were extra bad. Okay, let's hear those. Uh. Don't let the lights go out. Mm. Oh my god. That <laughs> one's like for some reason that one's like gaining traction. <laughs> I really don't get it. Do you know the line where it's like, you're the only one who knows how to operate my heavy machinery? Yeah, that's the chorus. We hear that <laughs> like several times. <laughs> that cracks me up every time. I can't take him serious. Why would you I say think, that? I think that's bad if you're a pop artist and you're making your fans laugh with your <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, yeah, unintentionally. Um uh something about Maggie. I completely disagree with that. I really like something about Maggie. Logan? Um, I'm a little indifferent on it. Okay. I Honestly, if I could title Viva Las Vengeance, it's indifference. It's really just like they're just playing the algorithm at this point. For me, it's hate, but I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> like, indifference, hate, they're... <laughs> Pretty similar. Yeah. They're, they're Abomination of music. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do really feel like it offended me personally. Um, uh, I'm just. I mean, really, all of them are pretty bad. The mm. the sad clown. Is that yeah, what that that's, that's, sad that's clown. pretty terrible. Sad. The note he sings right at the start. 
that he clearly can't reach. Oh, the, at the end, you mean? Because the first uh, word, just, the first word's Latin. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, the whole song, it just, I felt like throughout the entire album, it kind of sounded like Brendan Urie's voice was shot. Like maybe he was going, had a cold while he was filming. Well, recording. the thing, because, you know, uh, this is like what his third album inspired by Queen. Uh, so what he did was he used 1980s recording where he would record on <laughs> tape. So he was literally having to like scream over instruments, like how they had to do in like the 70s and 80s and up until the early 90s for a more like raw sound. And I don't think his voice sound particularly bad. I just don't think we are like used to just hearing mm. like imper like imperfections in recordings because everything is just auto tuned now. The thing is, I love... Oh, no, but he was... No, but you were right. He was screeching on there. I didn't mean to... No, no. You were right on the very end part, but I think that's kind of just a justification for, like, the sound of sure. the whole album. I, I totally get that. But the thing is, like, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, I love it. I think his voice is beautiful on that. Pretty out, uh, pretty odd. Oh, it's... A, yeah, he's, well... He's got a gorgeous voice. Everything was in a pretty low octave until Too Weird. Yeah, I think I think part of the problem is he he's coming out of his range too much. He's singing too high. And after all of these tours and live events, I think his voice is deteriorating. Oh yeah. Because his vo even in the low notes, his voice sounds so different from it used when it when he recorded uh, "Fever Can't Sweat Out" in two thousand five. Well, he was also like seventeen. I mean, like <laughs> sure, I, I get that. But I mean, from seventeen to thirty, like once you go through puberty, I feel like your voice might change a little bit. But I I feel like I could just hear that. You, you could hear the strain. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's kind of a, I mean, any singer, but I think him, he does try to just flaunt that he can sing A5s mm -hmm. and higher. I do. I, I wish, I like his voice when it's in its natural range. I wish he would show that off. For real. I do got to say, I almost put this in my bottom three that I was thinking of, but I didn't just because I just don't care about this album at all to mention it. Mm -hmm. But I looked over, I kind of cheating, I was looking at Matt's notes. And he has the same song, The Star-Spangled Banner. That one's so bad. <laughs> Star -Spangled that was like a terrible Banner. attempt to regain his Gen Z followers that like effectively canceled him. And it's like, if you're appealing to youth and you reference Ted Kennedy, <laughs> I, don't think I don't think those two correlate at all. And it, it was kind of like kind of chanty. Right, yeah, like so the, the beginning. It kinda? sounds like it was two different songs because the chorus sounds abysmal, but uh, the verses like that's like very like the boys are back in town, and I don't think that sounds particularly like terrible. The lyrics are lacking still, but I don't think the sounds bad, and then the chorus just makes your ears bleed. Yeah, True. and I just I don't like this album. I really don't. I yeah, mean, the albums. I think it's you'll, really bad. You'll hear it when we talk about it on the podcast. But this album, I don't see it making it far on any of our lists at all. No, and not at all. Sp Star Spangled Banner is probably one of the bigger parts of it that's just straight up in the toilet. What's your Agreed. What's your other three that you were talking about, though? Yeah, these are just in one album. Oh, man. Oh, oh. I only have one other song that I, I really am not a huge fan of, and it's actually on Pretty Odd. The song is Folking Around. Oh. F-O-L-K. Really? Folking Around. I like that song a lot. I, I feel like... I'm not a huge folk music person, first off, so that's just a personal preference but like, thing. Okay. But I don't think they even did the folk that well. I agree. I was thinking the same thing, because going into this, um, I couldn't remember what the song was, mm -hmm. and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, it's like, definitely, because this album, I think, is pretty good. 
Which one? Pretty Odd? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also think that a lot of their albums are pretty good. Um, but this song, man, is like kind of false advertising. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, I, I didn't hate it. It's just I'm not a huge fan of folk music, and I don't think they did the folk that well. So mm. that's that for me. But I think, are we ready to shift over to our longer analysis for the podcast? Or did you guys have more radio talk? So I had, I had one, one song that's, like, bottom okay. um, that I wanted to talk about. I worked at an ice cream shop during uh, when this song was big, mm. and it made me hate it. I can't stand it. It is High Hopes. I'm so sick of this song. Wait, wait, wait. So, you, so, so your favorite funny. album, the song that went triple, triple platinum on your favorite album. Can't so, stand. Uh, that's not, not my favorite album. My favorite album is Death of So Bachelor. I'm sorry, sorry. Your second favorite album. You're not making sense. No, I, I did. I say it was a perfect album. No. Here's the thing. I think. No. I don't think High Hopes is any better than. Um, I, I mean, I don't think Hey Look My Made It is any better than. I think um, there's very big differences between them, and. Maybe that was just in that High Hopes was played so much more. I, I don't know if it was just me in the station that we had playing at that ice cream shop, but it mm. played every hour at least twice an hour. And like I could see how that would like It's get the same you. thing. Um Blinding Lights, when that came out, it was played so much that I hate that song mm-hmm. and I really don't like listening to the weekend anymore. But that's just my opinion, you know. Do with it what you will. I actually have a good take there. Uh, I never listen to The Weeknd. <laughs> and don't plan to. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's okay. I'll respect it. I'll respect it. You know, there's been too much hate on this on this already. That's what we're here for, mm-hmm. Matt. Yes, it is. Uh, so I have two songs that we haven't touched yet. We touched Star Spangled Banger, but uh, the, only, the only slander I will give pretty odd is Matt is Rabbits. I see the problem That song there. is just bad. Uh, and then this one might be unpopular, uh, Nicotine on Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die. Can't stand it. Interesting. Okay. I I think I have to agree with you. When it comes to the rest of the songs on that album, that one doesn't stick out at all. Um, I can't even remember what the chorus was of that one I, off the top of my either. head because there are better songs on that album. So I, I would have to, I'd have it, to agree Matt. with you. Sing the song. No. Please? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe the please would win you over. I'm sorry. That's okay. So now switching over to our more in-depth analysis, should we go ahead and give our full album ranking? I think we have to. I think we have to now. You're the host. I'll do what you tell me. (laughs) Now, I I have a question. Would you guys rather go through your full list, or would you rather go through them by release date, talk about them, and then give our ranking? That's up to you. Yeah, you're you're the one in charge here. I think if you want to go through each album, we can, or we can just do the do the ranking. I don't think uh, I don't think our listeners would mind either way. Yeah, they don't get a choice. <laughs> let's let's go through each album All because right. I do want to give each album the attention it deserves. I I respect that for sure. And then we could give our rating as we go. Mm-hmm. So first album released in two thousand five, best album, a fever you can't sweat out. Good old emo punk rock, if I've ever seen it. I just, how is your first album that good? That's just insane to me. I mean, I gotta say, like, I said it with I Write Sins Not Tragedy. This is the song that, personally, my mom drilled into 
This is the album that got drilled. It, I had so many songs on my iPod from that album. And it's I, I got to say, I think it's what made most people Panic fans is that album. Yeah, it's it's a work of art. See, a song I think it's criminally underrated on this album is uh, There's a Good Reason These Tables Have Turned. Mm. I think that song yeah. is criminally underrated That's on this really album. That's a really good one. I, I, I'm, this isn't my favorite Panic album, as you've previously heard, but mm-hmm. this is this is my fourth, spoiler alert, and this is just a no-skip album if I want to feel like nostalgic, I but like super nostalgic. Yeah, I strongly believe that it is a no-skip album, not a skip to be found on here. Not a skip to be found. No, not one. I think it starts out like... It had a great start, but then after the sixth track, "Time to Dance," gone. I've Whoa. I've left planet Earth. <laughs> oh you yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Good luck trying to find me. Oh, back half carries so hard. Yeah, and I don't even think the front half is bad. I just think the back half. No, it's just the back incredible. half is just like elites. That seems to be a theme among panic albums it's either the front half carries mm. or the back half yeah carries. they don't they're not good at making like an even album an even spread well yeah. they, like that's Except that's kind of one. how that stuff go i mean look at any album you don't really like you know track four is never really the big hit it's i don't know I, acdc's I, back in black not a miss on that album <laughs> baby I, I think there are some albums that do a better job at kind of going through flows mm. or whatever but i think I do think that A Fever You Can't Sweat Out is the best album in terms of, like, no skip, having a good distribution of songs wow. that I want to listen to. Interesting. Um, some standouts for me were Time to Dance, but it's better if you do. I casually thank God for Esteban. There's a good reason these tables are numbered. You just haven't thought of it yet, honey. I think th- the title is so long on that <laughs> one. And then Build God, Then We'll Talk, all great. Where did you guys have that one ranked? Number four. Number four. So, so I don't want to feel hated right now. Oh no. It's it's number six out of seven for me. It's it's honestly number six out of seven for me. What? I oh my I I don't know what to say other than the fact that I will never hand you the ox and that's saying something because <laughs> when I'm on the ox I'm the most self-conscious person ever. I will refuse the ox. But like if I'm in a car with me, you and someone says, "Logan, here's the ox." I would grab it from okay. your hands. Okay. I feel like that's just for this maybe just this genre because I have a very specific taste when it comes to like an alternative punk emo I, kind of vibe i think you like that so formula. you just don't like you just don't like the alternative punk emo part in this alternative okay. punk okay. emo okay. Band. okay you like the I, matthew you like the brendan yuri i was on broadway album better okay yeah. i i, feel I like don't need this, this right now this album really did a lot for me because you know every song all songs they kind of go by a formula you know, you have your chorus, you have you have every like the aspects that make up a song. But I think as far as albums that Panic at the Disco has put out, this album was the first one that the well, only it was the first one. one. It, <laughs> it, well, was it was the, the first. first one, but it was the <laughs> only one that really breaks the mold. It kind of it's it feels less formulaic than every and, other And maybe album. I just like formulaic yeah. alternative. Maybe it, that is. The song title's not the chorus. That's like another, in like all of these. Yeah. The song title's not the chorus. It can be so difficult to remember what the title of the song you're trying to <laughs> yeah. talk about is. And I'm fine with that. I love that. I just, I like that these songs aren't the status quo. They're not the normal formula. You don't know where they're going next. 
I like that. I'm so glad Pete Wentz found these 16-year-old Mormon kids in Las Vegas because <laughs> what transpired, at least for the first few years of their existence, was awesome. It was awesome. And I think that leads us... Unless you guys have anything else to say? I think I shouldn't say anything else. <laughs> That's a pretty good, good choice. choice. Yes. <laughs> pretty Odd, 2008. What do we think about Pretty Odd? Wonderful. Just uh, Brian Ross was like, I like the Beatles. Let's do an album like the Beatles, and it works. It works incredibly well. So. <laughs> oh. Logan's got that look on his face. I ranked it better than a fever you can't sweat out. Well, I would hope so. But only by one. I so have it, number five? It is in my fifth position. Okay. It's just... It's just not my cup of tea, you know? It's. I'm not saying... Okay, I'm not saying a fever you can't sweat out or pretty odd are bad. Just say you only like pop rock. Just say that. I don't. But when it comes to panic, I do. I, okay. love, I love a good alternative. You give me newfound glory... Any, like, mid-2000s, most of the time, I'm like, yeah, I'll tune into that. But, like, this old stuff, I'll tune into it. Mm-hmm. I'll like it. But I'm not putting it on my Spotify playlist. I'm honestly not. And This is my Spotify playlist. <laughs> this album is your Spotify playlist? Where did you rank it? it? Where did you rank it, Isabel? Pretty odds number two. Oh. I said that, that was number two for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, you are killing it over there. Thanks. You're very welcome. I'm just taking taking aback by the man next to me. Even though I'm so (laughs) close to Matt, I feel like we're very far apart right now. (laughs) You're really distancing each other. We were having a real great time before this, and then we started speaking. Listen, listen. When we get to our top three, we're going to be closer. We are. I feel. I can feel it. All right. Uh, For me, a couple standout songs. Do You Know What I'm Seeing? The Green Gentleman. The Piano Knows Something I Don't Know. Um, I Know Northern Downpour is a fan favorite. Not my favorite. Great song. I just think there are a lot of hits on that album. I'm not. It's not a no skip album. There are. Oh yeah, no. There's some. There's, there's some bad ones. There's. There's like <laughs> one skip on it. But here's the thing, it's not formulaic. I I listen to this group and I know it's Panic at the Disco. I'm not like, oh, just another 2000s-ish emo band <laughs> throwing this out. I do gotta say, I think Northern Downpour is my favorite off this album. Yeah. But makes sense. That's I'm I'm the formulaic guy. Well, <laughs> I think the uh, my only standout song that hasn't been mentioned is uh, "When the Day Met the Night," and I know that was mm. one of your bottom three, right? Was that was someone's bottom three? I believe it was. Uh, not it wasn't one of mine. in mine. Oh, well, I'm just seeing things. <laughs> mine so was, my, my bottom. My my bottom was F O L K I N. Yeah. Okay. My bad. My bad. Sorry, yeah. but yeah, that's same album different song yeah yeah I, yeah I see the problem but I not a no skip great album though oh here we, I'm excited for this next one though this next one we have a lot to talk about here it's vices and virtues released mm. in 2011 mm. where do we start so where do we start we start at, we start at the ballad of Mona Lisa that's a banger first song eh. a banger first song it's not my favorite it's it's, it's one of their hits I think my favorite on this is the score on Sarah Smiles. Mm. Like, if you listen to mm. just the instrumentals on that, it feels like I'm Alice in Wonderland. Now, if that makes any sense. I think it makes the most No, you described that perfectly. I, I like Vices and Virtues, but I have to say my favorite songs are all bonus or deluxe tracks. <laughs> I, Good. It, it makes Those me are their best songs. It makes me so mad because how dare you – 
make incredible songs and then not put them on the album. Mm-hmm. So my fear with that was Pretty Odd was their longest album. That was, what, 17 or 18 songs? And they had a lot of ones that, like you said, like were just skipped over. Like Pretty Odd uh, is like their lowest streamed album for some reason. And so I think I think after they left after Ryan left they were kind of scared and they're like we want to put out like stuff we know mm-hmm. will be played and that's why like what the original album is only 10 songs and there's what eight bonus tracks or yeah, six I have, I have six listed here six bonus tracks te- okay yeah. yeah I think that's my theory but just the fact that these aren't even available on streaming platforms is a it's crime criminal, against humanity yeah. I I mean um, shout out I, to YouTube for helping me with my <laughs> research of course um, oh glory that's an that's a great song and it makes me sad that it's not included on the album at all uh bittersweet i was about to say i really like bittersweet. i love bittersweet bittersweet's a great song kaleidoscope eyes kaleidoscope eyes Ooh. also a great song so, so with all that said where did you rank it isabel you know it was my number three but honestly i i just it's kind of disappointing because i see what it could be i see the mm-hmm. potential in front of me mm-hmm. with these seven tracks that i've listed here mm-hmm. that didn't make it in and you know what? The album's fine. Those tracks are so much better. What's What's crazy is it's my number three as well. Yeah, I, it's all of our number threes. I, it's It's like a, it's better than average album. Interesting. We so, all agree that it's better than average. Yeah, I don't think Panic ha- Panic doesn't have average. They have well, really good and really bad. Yeah, have, yes. that's yes. <laughs> I think I think this is their average album. This is like it's fine. This is like this would rank number one on most. Uh, most bands in this genre, in my opinion. If they released this one without saying it was Panic! at the Disco, people would be like, that's a fire album. Whose band is that? And then they're like, Panic! And I'm like, oh, well, they have some better stuff, too. Yeah. I I, re- I want to shout out a song in particular that didn't make it on the album, Nearly Witch's Demo. Did either of you guys check yes. that out? Yes, I did. That song is probably... It, it might be one of my favorite songs ever, the demo of that song. And I think they butchered it. They destroyed the song in the album. Uh, I, I, I just I, I, I don't want to be too critical on this because I think Spencer Smith wrote his you-know-what off writing this. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, Brendan Urie can write a score. He's won a Tony for writing scores for Sponge. Like, he can write music. Lyrics, maybe not. But, like, <laughs> the collection Lyrics, of just no. the, like these two put their – they went all in on this to prove they could still make music. And yeah. I thought they did a – Really good job. I 100% yeah, agree I, that. I mean, I they had that sample in Nearly Witches in the in, in the original, like in what came out in the album. They mm-hmm. have a sample on it. I I just love Nearly Witches demo so much more. And whenever I try to listen to the Nearly Witches that was released on the album, I just can't. I just it's just sad. It's just sad. But now, I think the demo is available in the UK. Yeah. Cause, I, like, his vices apparently is like huge in the UK because they have every bonus track available there or something. Like, ooh, it's crazy. That's must crazy. be nice. That's huge. Must be nice. But so all at number that's crazy. All at number three. Yeah, we all agree that it's a fine album. <laughs> all right, let's go back to yelling at each other. Uh, all right, I'm excited. Next up, we have "Too Weird to Live," "Too Rare to Die," released in 2013. Where'd you guys put it? So, <laughs> the only reason this isn't higher is because I didn't include the piano version of This Is Gospel. Because This Is Gospel, banger music video. Laying on that gurney, <laughs> banger music video. You can't tell me I'm wrong. There's a good music video, but you, Matt hates when you go by music You videos. can't tell me I'm wrong. 
It's a good music video. Miss Jackson, fire song. I could pass on Miss Jackson. Uh, let me rephrase. The song is okay. I like uh, Girls, Girls, Boys, too. I like Girls, Girls, Boys, but I've, I've I've heard people talk about how that could be considered, like, fetishization. Yeah, I can't yeah. say that word. Um, <laughs> not, not on the radio. I just can't say the word of, <laughs> like, um, lesbian relationships. And I just, knowing... Brendan Urie's history. Yeah. I'm like a little cautious about him singing about LGBTQ things because it's like, <laughs> bro, you remember that thing that you said? <laughs> like yeah. all those things you said? Um, so, so the only reason that this is. But it's isn't, a catchy song. Yeah. The only reason that this album isn't higher is because the piano version isn't on it. And me and Matt talked about that on the radio version, how amazing that version of This Is Gospel is. Again, music video was phenomenal as well. Don't you, don't you deny that, Matthew? Um, <laughs> <laughs> full so, naming over there so too weird to live too rare to die for me ranks fourth all right that sounds about right for you right, Matt? i'm sliding back in here my coffee fits done <laughs> this was my fifth album mm-hmm. i think this is also the shortest one they've put out so i mean for that i mean i think it's very top heavy in a bunch of songs that are kind of forgettable like I have, yeah. like it, I'm like, am I? I don't, because people think of this as like a really like elite Panic album, and I just don't really see it that way. I see this is gospel. I see Miss Jackson, <laughs> and I see Colorful. Ooh, and that's pretty I like much colorful, all I. Yeah. That's pretty much all I see because a lot of this, this, the sound is just so strange. Yeah, I I feel like they they were, I don't know what they were trying to do, it's, but they were trying to. It prove sounds that they could it, do something. It sounds dystopian. Mm-hmm. Like very that was a like really good word. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I got a three on my AP Lang exam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was the perfect way to describe it, though. Like, it is dystopian. It is. It just sounds like very, like, robot, like something you'd hear in, like, a Robots Are Destroying the World movie. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I I had it at number five. Me too. Yep, oh, my God. Yep, okay. Number Look five together, yeah. I don't, think, it, I don't think me ringing at number four is too far away, though. No, no, no not at all. It, it's okay. fine. Um, You're safer now. Here's the thing. It, it felt formulaic again, but it felt like it, it was going for, like, a techno, like, you were, like dystopian sound. And Look at, well, this is the first album they had Dolan Weeks on, and if mm-hmm. you listen to, like, what he does with I Don't Know How, like, even Razzmatazz, mm. which is their most recent album, it's just very, like, robotic. I, I do love I Don't Know How, but I feel like they, they do it differently. I don't they know. do it differently, but I think that I think this was, like, Dolan's test run, because this yeah. was also, like, nine years ago at this point, which is crazy right. to think about, and I feel old now. But. I, I do kind of kind of feel like maybe this might just be me i don't know if i love brendan yuri's voice with this robot background because he does have a beautiful voice and it i get trying to have a like a contrast with the techno-y background yeah. but i don't i'm not feeling it go back to a fever you can't sweat out that's why i prefer the piano version of this is gospel over this one that's yeah. why yeah. Uh, i gotta say though am i too far off in saying that this is the album that really switched panic like this feels like a very switch from old panic to new panic i think um it was definitely uh i i'm gonna call it a staff change mm. there were a lot of yeah. changes made in the band around well, this, this time was, this was just adding doll and spencer smith was still there at this point right but in between um pretty odd and vices and virtues we lost ryan ross mm. and john walker yeah but i feel like this is the album where you get two different types of panic fans you get the types like me, and then the types like you and Matt. I feel like this yeah. is the album that splits it. Maybe Death of the Bachelor. One of those two albums is the one that 
plain out switches it. I, I think I feel that. I think with hindsight, this is a transition point. I think mm. the actual switch will be the next album we bring up right now. Gotcha. Right. And let's and bring it up. That next album, Death of a Bachelor, 2016. Ooh. Where'd you guys put it? Ooh. Number one. Number one. Okay. Bangers after bangers on this album. All right. This is my no-skip <laughs> album. This is my no-skip album. You. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. I, I him ranking it, him ranking it number one really makes me like rethink everything. But no, I love this album. My sister would kill me if I didn't have this as my number one because like this is like just. I I don't think there's a. I, I think it's another no skip album. I just think it's very just like, it's it's their first right. it's their first step in pop music, and it's just very upbeat, catchy, and it's just this is fun. This feels like summer. This feels I like I'm driving down with my windows don't down. Want pop music matt you've joined joined the light thank you for joining my side of the panic views i I, i'm sorry i want my 2000s emo punk band to give me 2000s emo punk but it's not the 2000s anymore it's 2016 he's also okay modernize it a little bit that's they did no they just made it pop music Ah, i i don't see a problem with pop music i i don't see a problem with it I just feel like like I don't think that I don't think that brings down any of the song you know, quality. I think lyrically this one's still decent. I mean, music wise, it's very good. Production quality is great. I would Tr- argue that lyrically, it's kind of bad. Lyrically, it's bad. I said that's kind of. That's an L take. Kind of. That's an L take. Bad. It is kind of bad. I'm sorry. Compared to some of the lyricism that we heard in earlier albums, you're gonna tell me that this is A plus lyricism? Yes. It's not A plus lyricism, but it's certainly not anything that would like tank it. I wouldn't say it's anything below a B minus or B. I'm not grading it. I'm ranking it amongst other albums. So in terms of that, look, you guys are getting real mad. I had it fourth. Okay, I, I just I I love the sound of it. So like I love the sound too. It just feels just to me this album though. It was death of Panic at the Disco, as we knew it. See, I. I know why you're saying that because like Brendan Neary goes solo. This was a solo project for Brendan Neary. Dolan didn't write this. Spencer Smith had left at this point. This was Brendan Neary. I, I can tell no one else helped write it. I. <laughs> I was, tonight we are victorious. Champagne pouring over us. All my friends were glorious. Tonight we are victorious. That's the chorus. You ever had like a lyrically deep chorus? No, because people have to remember yes, the chorus. Yes, there's plenty of lyrically deep chorus. Yes, like Name one off the top of your head. With haven't you people ever heard of? I can't say the rest of this lyric. Closing a door. That one's that one's better. You guys don't think that's better? Well, that's also their like most notable song ever. I don't know if you can really argue their best song. Like like most. Haven't you heard that I'm the new cancer? That. When it comes, when it comes down to it, I look. I think the album's fine. I just feel like every song they're like, this one's gonna get on the radio. This and, one and too. And it did. And it did. And it did. Uh, it okay, de- it debuted. I, I thought this was. I did not see a problem with pop, like pop music. The, this, Panic had been around for ten years at this point. Yes. I mean, like, it was no longer the death of a bachelor. It was the death of the bad Panic at the Disco eras. Stop. Okay, stop. <laughs> See, I just feel like pop music, it, it, it's going for a different goal, okay? You could say pop music is art. That's fine. But generally, pop music follows a pretty strict See, formula. And, and here's the thing, in my opinion, if they didn't make this switch, we wouldn't have any more Panic at the Disco. I'm going to argue that that would have been good. I don't think so. 
I'm uh, sorry. Viva Las Vengeance. We'll get there. We'll get there. But what other bands that started like Panic that stuck to their genre are still around? I mean, I would argue even Paramore had to make a transition to mm-hmm. pop music. I'm not, uh, Fall Out Boy made the transition. Okay. Not well. Not no, well. no, but they did. Listen, <laughs> that's totally fine. I'm not saying the band can't transition to pop music. I'm just saying I think it's worse. I think it's I worse. I disagree with you. I really okay, do. Okay, I see that, but I don't <laughs> understand why it's a problem for me. To, listen, I every song on this album felt like the same song. Oh, so if you liked one whoa, of them, hey, 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 no hey, way. let me finish my sentence. If you liked one of them, then you liked all of them. That's how I. F- I mean, like some of them were a little slower and more instrumental, whatever. They were all kind of exactly the same song. And if you liked one, it's like, okay, you're going to like that one. You're going to like this one. Luckily, I liked them. Okay. Matt, Matt I, don't, I don't know how to respond to this. I, I just think we're being belittled here. I, I mean, think we I'm, are. I'm sorry. I, like, sometimes I want to play music that makes me, like, upbeat. Like, I don't really want to have to have, like, a borderline, like, therapy session every time I listen to music. It's like, I don't need, like, a palette. Like, I don't. Do you, like, think pan- you think old Panic at the Disco is therapy session sad music no 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 i think pretty odd is like therapeutic in itself <laughs> i think pretty like pretty odd is just like my mind's clear i'm a different person now death mm-hmm. of a bachelor's like okay you know i'm feeling myself i'm having a good time here's what yeah. i'll say death of a bachelor came out while i was in middle school uh it was middle schooler music that's kind of how i feel about it you know what i res- i i can say i i agree but when i think of panic at the disco i think of middle school Okay. So if I want to listen to Panic at the Disco, I listen to their middle school Panic at the Disco. I honestly think that's kind of their claim to fame because, I mean, millennials are the first generation that really followed them, and they were probably <laughs> in middle school <laughs> I mean, when no. A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. I would argue Panic, it, they are known for being the band you listen to in middle school. <laughs> you listen that's to totally it. fair, but Could this album just is just like, it's so... Panic is the band that your parents yell at you for being in that phase. It's Panic. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I think I think you could go further down the rabbit hole there, pierce the veil, like like you could but, go further but, down the emo, my chemical that's romance. What, but panic is known for that. They're the they're the gateway. They're the gateway exactly. drug. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That, like that's why <laughs> that, that creates notoriety. <laughs> well, no, I I don't understand, guys. I'm I'm confused at the point you're making. So am I'm I. not saying that Panic at the Disco shouldn't be famous or anything. I'm saying me personally, Isabel, not mentioning my full name, Isabel. <laughs> does not feel like the transition from pop or from whatever they were before to what they are now was good. I just, I it, I don't like it as much. It was still number four for me, but mm, I just wasn't really that big a fan. I'm really interested to see, because we're, we're about to split this next album. As we should. All right. Next album, Pray for the Wicked, 2018. Um, who wants to start for that one? Yeah, this is my worst album. Oh, worse than oh. Viva Lost Vengeance? Yes. My heart. That's insane. Because I think Viva, uh, there's, at least Viva Lost Vengeance wasn't so full of itself to where it blasted, like, just, like, loud Broadway horns. Because Brendan Neary went on kinky boots, and he's like, oh, see, here's my uh, rebuttal to that. Death of a Bachelor used horns in a way where it didn't sound obnoxious. And that's that's why Death of yeah, a Bachelor is it, number one like, over I think It sounded poppy. But then, like, there's Poppy, and then, like, I think of, like, the overpass where it's just, like, (laughs) 
<laughs> that song's a lot. If like the kid that like played the kazoo overly loud was classically <laughs> trained, that is what that album would open as. I yeah. I I've got to say I did not like this album very much. It was number six see, of seven. It was a great live album to see. Like I went to his uh, "Pray for the Wicked" tour in Cleveland. I had a great time. It was my first concert. Great, great night. Cool. You're yeah. Hating. You had it at number seven. You had it at number six. It's number two for me. It's I, number two. I got to say, there was one song I liked on it. Oh, like is a really strong word. Let me rephrase. There was one song that I thought was okay on it. "King of the Clouds." I thought was you picked "King see, of the Clouds" over the whole song. I got. I, I, Which one do you like, Logan? I think we already know it's Hey Look Ma, I Made It. But there's also, like, I also like, and I'm pretty sure this is kind of, I'm not sure, I haven't talked to a lot of people about this song, but I heard Roaring Twenties isn't a big hit. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's, it's, like, it's like okay, but it's not that good. I don't th- know. Th- there are three redeeming songs on this for me, and those are Say Amen, That's a, a good one. Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. I think... That is pretty much, if that was, like, the only loud poppy song on the album, that would have been fine. Uh, one of the Drunks. I like that one. Uh, and then King of the Clouds also. Thank you. Can we talk about how bad Dying in L.A. is? <laughs> when <you're, yeah>. Dying? <laughs> yes. I was about yes. to do that, Matt. Stop. Yes. Took yep. the words out my mouth. I watched him perform that live. He was on a piano that he had suspended over Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and he was just going... <laughs> dying in LA like and it was like <laughs> I was in the nosebleeds and like I watched like I made eye contact with him as he did that and it's like yeah okay buddy <laughs> yeah I I'm not saying I like Brandon Yuri at this stage in his career but hard to like him hard I, I gotta, to like him I kind of like his albums but let's get to one I think we universally all dislike um Number seven, <laughs> Viva Lost Vengeance came out this year. Boo. Boo. I didn't actually hate it. Oh. Logan, I'm really glad we're finally united. It took you guys uh, to the seventh <laughs> hour. It, it, it took, took us you the up entire, to entire history of Panic at the Disco. It took you to the fourth quarter. Viva Lost <laughs> Vengeance is, is, like, so bad. There's not one song on it that I could listen to, and I was like, this is good. Like, nothing, nothing. I get that, but at the same time, is that because of like the production quality, or is that just because Brendan Urie just completely ruined himself? I think it's all of the above. That's completely fair. I think it's also the lyrics too. Yes, yeah, we mentioned of, some the, of them are lyrics. bad. Some of yeah, some of them are awful. Yeah. I gotta say, my three like I didn't actually hate the title track. I actually liked "Viva Las Vengeance." I I like that song. I'll play it on repeat. I will admit that right now. Um, I think it's time you get out of here and go to bed, Matt. <laughs> oh, okay. We can't say shut up and go to bed? No, we could say shut up okay. and go to bed. Well, I just I wanted to make it like a little more cohesive to what we're doing. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, um, I liked uh, Say It Louder. Oh, I and actually I, didn't like that one. And I liked something about Maggie I liked something about Maggie. I'll be honest. If there's one redeeming feature, it's not the star-spangled stinker. I'm sorry, banger. Uh, <laughs> it is something about Maggie. Do you guys like... I don't even know if I want to say this. Sugar Soaker. Yeah, uh, that song's like, if you listen to it once and you're like, "What's this song about?" Yeah, you're right when you take your guess. Uh, I, I, it I makes think me feel I, sick to say that. I the think title. it's like, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it it's like okay, but it's like okay, buddy, let's tone it down a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like it's he's like, going through that phase. It's, now, 
it's the it's the song equivalent of somebody pulling on their collar like Ugh. <laughs> yeah it was uh i it was bad it was bad i honestly it just it reeks of like frat party yeah. but like not not frat party mu- like, like what goes boy. on what goes on at a frat party and how a frat guy would approach a woman yeah, I, I kind of felt like a frat guy was approaching me while listening to this. <laughs> Just my stomach dropped. Ugh. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't like a single song on this album. It makes me sad, you know. How far have we fallen? You guys could even admit, I know A Fever You Can't Sweat Out is not your favorite. I think both of you had Death of the Bachelor, right? Yes. Right? So, I mean, you have to admit that this is way worse, right? Oh, very much so, yeah. I yeah. don't think that's comparable. Does that, does that Absolutely. make you sad? Like, (laughs) how far we've fallen? Honestly, I was just about to say the downfall of not only Brandon Urie, but bringing down the legacy of Panic. Because if this album was never released, I think all the, as a whole, Panic the Disco would look at, would be looked at differently. I I actually agree with you there. Do you want to hear the fun part about this album, why it kind of just sounds like a mumbo jumbo? Yes, please. He said he was trying to write a rock opera, <laughs> but then he didn't like writing the rock opera, so he just wrote songs that were fun again. So that's why you have like the reoccurring characters of like Maggie, and if you watch the music videos, like Maggie and Boyd and all them, and then you just have songs that are completely out of left field, where it's like you know like Say It Louder, uh, Sugar Soaker, mm-hmm. like All by Yourself, like some of those are just completely out of left field, and then like the music videos of the album try to tell a story it's because it was supposed to try to tell a story and then he got bored yeah i hated he's, i hated the music videos he's not a good writer i'm sorry he's i don't not think a good he, person he's yeah he's he, not a good he's, person he can write songs, a, he can write a score lyrics no no that's what I'm saying. lyrics were are just bad mm. oh, i Makes me makes me so sad to listen. Isabel, to this. do you want to run through your entire ranking now of your albums? Yeah, I was just thinking we should do that. Um, I'll start my number one, "A Fever You Can't Sweat Out." Number two, "Pretty Odd." Number three, "Vices and Virtues." Number four, uh, "Death of a Bachelor." Number five, "Too Weird to Live," "Too Rare to Die." Number six, "Pray for the Wicked," and number seven, "Viva Las Vengeance." It's a respectable ranking. I will I will one hundred percent say respectable ranking. You Matt, know, I appreciate that. Oh, it's my turn. Well, okay. your turn, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think about that? Oh no, I th- I think that's pretty much down the line. Mm-hmm. I think you ask most Panic fans that pretty much be the consensus. Um, yeah, my rankings: uh, Death of a Bachelor, Pretty Odd, Vices and Virtues, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, Too Weird to Live, Viva Las Vengeance, and Pray for the Wicked. Another respectable ranking. I gotta say, I'm really happy that we agreed on a couple, so that way you can't hate my <laughs> ranking entirely. <laughs> makes me makes me a little giddy inside. Uh, my ranking: number one, Death of a Bachelor; number two, Pray for the Wicked; number three, Vices and Virtues; number four, Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die; number five, Pretty Odd; number six, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out; and number seven, the worst Panic of the Disco album, Viva Las Vengeance. Thank you, Logan. You brought <laughs> you you know I was gone for a minute there. You brought me right back in with that worst. Fever at six and pray for the wicked at two. I think Listen, you know that's bad, but we can all agree Viva Lost Vengeance is bad. You know what I yeah. you know what I loved about my ranking is I had Matt at the beginning and then I had you at the end. It yeah. was perfect. Yeah. It was great. 
No, it means no one. <laughs> oh, no, it means you. You're, that's like one of those people where it's like, I'm making both sides of the issue mad, so I'm doing something right. It's like, no, you just don't have any concrete core values or beliefs, and you're impossible to interpret, and you're the reason nothing gets done. Like, I love when people get heated. Matt, Matt you, you right, get it. Matt, Matt right now has, like, smoke coming out of his Rawr. ears. <laughs> now, uh, if we're talking about Panic at the Disco, I did want to say really quick, Brendan Urie, bad person. Yes, absolutely bad person. And uh, by ranking his album, well, not his, his band's albums, pretty much him now. If four of them were his bands, uh, three of them are his. Yeah, by ranking his albums, we're in no way saying that we think he's a good person or we, supporting we him We are not endorsing all. Brendan Urie. I know I've, I, I think he's a good performer, terrible human being. We are not, nope. this is not an endorsement of Brendan Urie. Yeah, Isabel, can you just run through some of the stuff he's done now, it's a little difficult to talk about some of these, but he wa- has been accused of assault of a minor, mm-hmm. which is just, and I would argue, one of the most heinous things you can do. And yeah. And that was in, like, 2009? That was, like, yep. that was like your peak, Panic! at the Disco, 2009. Yeah, I just, mm-mm-mm, awful. Um, he's, he's been accused of, you know, womanizing, assaulting people, all that stuff. He made jokes about inappropriate mm. actions. He made jokes about assaulting people. I have a quote here that I'm not going to read. Yeah. Um, Let's just, for those that have, just picture if you gave a 21-year-old fame unlimited amounts of money, screaming fans, and copious amounts of alcohol. But yeah, that 21-year-old has the mind of a 13-year-old. Pretty much, yes. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Um, he's made lots of anti-LGBTQ jokes, ableist jokes, and he has mouthed a racial slur on Vine. It's just... And then defended it. There's just... There's so many ways that you can be a bad person without showcasing it. So the fact that he's showcased all this means that what's going on behind his head and behind his mouth, way worse. Yeah. Way worse. Yeah. The, like, the thing about his cancellation, what was so ironic, was because that happened like this, like the COVID summer. Literally, I think weeks before that was his last tweet where he told off the Trump campaign for playing High Hopes. He's like, you can't play my music. And then he gets canceled abruptly. And it's just like a complete pendulum swing of just how the public viewed him from going triple platinum. You told off the tangerine. And <laughs> now you're just you're despised. Yeah, I mean, you can pretend to be as politically active as you want, but your actions will always speak louder than oh, yeah. whatever you say that you support. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I think pretending to not support Trump really doesn't matter if you say the kind of disgusting things that oh, he I has. I was not trying to defend him there. No, I was no, no, just no, no, like, no, no. Yeah, I was just I'm like, just the saying. complete just like pendulum swing, because yeah. all that stuff came out after pretty much the uh, racial slur incident, and that's where like all the old stuff got kicked up and snowballed yeah. into his cancellation. Which, which it should. Like, yeah. No, as, as justifiably, <laughs> so, justifiably so. I just thought it was very ironic just how he had those. I just want to shout out Ryan Ross, John Walker, <laughs> Dallin Weeks, and nobody else in Panic at the Disco, I guess. The rest well, of you are on thin ice. I don't know what you've done. You know, the current touring band hasn't done anything problematic so far, do we it's know? It's so scary to shout. I'm, I'm going to say it. It's so scary to shout out men because I – I have to think about it. Like, have they done something gross? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, right. that's anyone, though. Like, sure. I mean, have you you've heard maybe about some of the stuff Cardi B's done? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's Cardi just Cardi B did it, some bad stuff. It's so weird liking an artist because you never know what's going on behind their I, behind I, the screen. I feel like it's just 
I'm all, I, I think it was last week I was recording with Matt and Zion, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, yeah, we don't we like this guy. And I had to think about, like, has he has he done anything bad before mm-hmm. that I need to Who was be that? aware of? I don't remember. Okay, um, neither do I. <laughs> but I remember having to, like, think about, like. Okay. Well, yeah, I think just, like, kind of the whole message of this is just maybe, like, just don't base your whole personality off of, like, liking someone. Because if they do something wrong. You're done. You're, you, yeah, you as a person. And, and find a so, new personality. It's so disgusting seeing people defend it. Oh, yeah, no, that's bad. Yeah, that's there's, there's no defense in it. No. It's it just disgusting. No, not at all. I mean, you can make every apology video you want. You can make every apology tweet you want. It doesn't make up for it. Oh, he hasn't not tweeted since. It's like, it's like <laughs> Good. <laughs> Get off Twitter. Quick coughing, Matthew. <laughs> Quick coughing. My, my allergies are killing me. I'm sorry. Mm. All good. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it for this segment of Entertainment Rebooted. Yeah, I mean, solid, solid episode. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Entertainment Rebooted. We'll see you next week.